Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. Welcome to Hancock and Kelly here on Fox 2. On the left today, we'll start with Michael Kelly. Good to see you, sir. And on the right is John Hancock. Merry Christmas. All right, and I'm John Brown. Big story this week, of course, impeachment. Here's Camila Bernal first, and then we'll discuss. A Washington stare-down between both chambers of Congress with the presidency of Donald Trump on the line. Article 1 is adopted. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has two articles of impeachment that passed the House last night, one for abuse of power, the other for obstruction of Congress. The next step, transferring those articles to the Senate, where President Trump will be tried. But Pelosi says she wants assurances that the trial will be a fair one. The next thing for us will be when we see uh, the process that is set forth in the Senate. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has indicated that he has already made up much. his mind. This particular House of Representatives has let its partisan rage at this particular president create a toxic new precedent that will echo well into the future. And other top members of the GOP backing McConnell. If there's a witness request by uh, anybody, I'm going to say no. I want this to end quickly. An announcement from Pelosi on the impeachment managers who will be prosecuting the case in the Senate is expected. But until that happens, all Washington and the White House can do is wait. In Washington, I'm Camila Bernal. Plenty of criticism to go around. All right, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says it was a solemn day when the president was impeached. Uh, but she also said, John, that had to be done quickly. So, I mean, which way do you go with this one? And now she's holding on to these articles. Well, I, mean, I don't think the politics of this make any sense for them. I mean, look, everybody has known from day one what the facts were here. There's no crime charged in either one of these articles. And, uh, and they're weak articles. The public doesn't buy it. Uh, <clears throat> for those that were paying attention, they think it's a raw deal. And most people just didn't pay attention to it. Um, it's, it needs to go to the Senate, it needs to get dispatched, and then we need to get on with the election. Well, the Kelly. fact of the matter is, is the president obstructed justice. He also worked with a foreign country and tried to bribe them by using $400 million of foreign aid so that they would get involved in our own personal election on his behalf. If that's not criminal, I don't know what is. That's exactly what the Congress did today. They made that, or this week, the Congress made that uh, uh, Decision. They've moved forward with impeachment, which is their right. It will go to the Senate. The Republicans will have their day to acquit this president and look the other way and allow the rule of law to be tarned. Well, <clears throat> bribery and obstruction of justice are, are actually impeachable offenses. Problem is, neither one of those things are in these articles. You've got uh, abuse of power, which every president in the 20th century has been accused of abusing their power, and you've got obstruction of Congress, whatever that means. Uh, because the president wouldn't provide witnesses to Congress, but Congress didn't go to the third branch of government, the courts, to compel the witnesses to testify. That's, that's what happened in the Nixon experience. It, you know, th there's nothing here. But here's the issue, right? 
The Republicans want to talk about the process. They can't argue the facts. The facts are the case, for, are, are the facts. The president tried to get a foreign entity using our own aid to be able to interfere in an election on his behalf. He obstructed Congress. They don't have a refute for that because he did it. He didn't do it. He, he, he did what every president does. Uh, they claim executive privilege when the Congress wants to the subpoena documents. I mean, that has happened repeatedly throughout the history of the country, and, and Congress then goes to court. And they didn't charge him with bribery. There's no bribery there. They call it an abuse of power. The bottom line is Ukraine got the aid. Ukraine never called for any investigation. This is, there is no basis here to impeach the president, and most people get that. Now. Here's where I think it looks bad for both sides. And let's start with the Nancy Pelosi side. So people who are kind of paying attention, you know, we're in the Christmas season, yeah, are we really paying attention? Surveys say no, people aren't. And then she says, well, we're not going to turn them over. But they do know she says we have to do this quickly. Then on the Senate side, Mitch McConnell says, well, I'm going to coordinate with the White House and find our defense. Well, he's supposed to be more or less, uh, you know, the judge in this case. You don't coordinate with the, the person in this case. And so both sides look dirty and tarnished. And I think that's what the American people are seeing is both sides don't and look And the good. opening package there that you had, uh, Mitch McConnell says partisan anger at the president. I mean, this is the man who said from day one that when Barack Obama came in, anything he was for, we were against. Hello, Pot. Welcome. I'm Kettle. I mean, this is, this is absurd. By the way, here's what uh, Chuck Schumer had to say about uh, Mitch McConnell this week. Take a listen to this one. Leader McConnell is plotting the most rushed, least thorough, and most unfair impeachment trial in modern history. His plan to prevent House managers from calling witnesses to prove their case is a dramatic break from precedent. All right, we're going to play Lindsey Graham here very quickly here to get the other side, and we'll let these guys sound off on that one. Here's Lindsey Graham this week. What they're proposing uh, to not send the articles for disposition to the Senate after being passed in the House is incredibly dangerous. Just think for a moment. You pass articles of impeachment in the House, you refuse to send them to the Senate until the Senate constructs a trial uh, of your liking as Speaker of the House. We have separation of powers for a reason. You can't be Speaker of the House and Majority Leader of the Senate at the same time. So again, here we are in this uh, the stalemate, John. Yeah, and you know, look, the Democrats have they've done this to themselves. The the bad politics and the bad optics of this thing is all self-inflicted. You know, had they had they initially taken this Ukraine call and drafted a censure of the president, they'd have probably got some Republican votes for that. Uh, and and it was probably that was probably an appropriate response to what actually happened. Impeachment is so far over the top and beyond the pale, uh, they, they can't win, and so now they're, they're trying to figure out, you know, their next political move. This is, they just, this thing needs to get dealt with. No, and John, over. here's what's the truth of the matter is, is that the president did this to the rule of law. He violated it. And therefore, the Congress came forward with impeachment articles, which are under their right to be able to do so, and they're standing up for the people who stand by the rule of law. This Republican Party used to stand for it. That Lindsey Graham in particular, it's just sickening to watch him. This is a man who went to the well as a House member to prosecute the case against Bill Clinton. And for him to sit there and say that he won't be an impartial jurist, I mean, what happened to Lindsey Graham? The facts of this thing have been known from day one. They haven't changed. And, and everybody's made up their mind about this thing. Lindsey Graham is right. We do have a separation of powers. 
And, you know, what, what needs to happen is that the articles need to go to the Senate. The Senate will do their thing. They're going to they're gonna exonerate the president based on this. And that's where, that's where it should lie. All right, one more piece of sound here. House Majority Whip James Clyburn on CNN discussing this delay in the proceedings. Are you willing yes. to hold the articles indefinitely if Mitch McConnell doesn't concede the points that you're asking him to? Are you suggesting it's possible you will never transmit the articles of impeachment? If it were me, yes, that's what I'm saying. I have no idea uh, what the speaker would do. Uh, but if you have a preordained outcome that's negative uh, to your actions, why walk into it? Okay, so again, you don't have to turn these over. That, that, I didn't know that. That she can hang on to these as long as she wants to, even past the next election, if she wants to, or she just hang, hangs on a program. Lindsey Graham and the Republicans have met their match when it comes to playing games. And that is, Nancy Pelosi has held her caucus together. She understands the rules of Congress. <clears throat> she's going to use them to her advantage, as she should, because she's the one who's led this process throughout it. She wants to ensure that there's going to be a fair process. Kudos to her for doing this to the Republicans and let them cry about the process. They can't defend the underlying facts. Because there's no crime in the underlying facts. Pelosi, this is a loser for her. And they've already lost. I mean, the Democrats have already lost on this issue. By holding the articles indefinitely, the politics of it are going to erode away. They're, they're simply ensuring that Donald Trump gets reelected. All right, still to come on Hancock and Kelly, new numbers show just how powerful the St. Louis region is in Missouri. Yeah, so if St. Louis generates the most money for the state, why do we have to beg in Jeff City for anything we want? There were buns, buns, bullets for the guns in the To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for Hancock and Kelly. Welcome back to Hancock and Kelly. Republicans certainly stood strong behind President Trump in the impeachment hearings. And in Missouri, well, that's easy politics, right? Recently, Missouri's governor, Mike Parson, said that the president is on the right track and even filed the paperwork to get Trump on the ballot for 2020. Big question this time around, how will all of this play out in the race for governor? John, is this easy politics? It's Missouri. Of course, we went for Trump big time last time. It will next time. Is that the general thinking? Yeah, I mean, Donald Trump's going to carry Missouri. And, uh, and in, in winning at the top of the ticket, that's going to help every Republic, Republican underneath him, including the governor. And the politics of it, it's a no-brainer. That's likely the case. I mean, look, this governor's got a lot of personal issues that, uh, that he's neglected, particularly as it relates to the big cities. He needs something to cling on to. Polling's probably good for Donald Trump. Anything he can do to attach his... Wagon to the president is probably a smart strategy because he doesn't want to have to stand for his own record. All right, let's talk about the big cities here, right? The big city, really, in Missouri. The latest GDP numbers are out for Missouri and it proves what you pretty are, probably already know. This state is funded by what happens in the St. Louis area. The Commerce Department finally breaking the numbers down by county, and here's what they see. St. Louis County alone generates $72 billion in economic activity. If you factor in the entire metro area, we make up about half of all the money generated in the entire state. So, gentlemen, you look at a situation like this. We are it for Missouri. And it seems like our contingent up in Jefferson City has to beg and plead for anything, even though we're the ones who are making all the money here. Well, and the perfect example of this is there's almost a half billion dollars of private money being invested for a soccer stadium in downtown St. Louis, thanks to the Taylor family. 
What does the state of Missouri says? They make a commitment that, yeah, we're going to help with some infrastructure improvements that are $30 million. The governor turns his back on Andy Taylor. He turns his back on St. Louis. It's frustrating. We get it. We're net donors to the rest of the state. We're New York and California, if you all would be, to the state of Missouri. We understand we're not going to get back every, but we're not even getting our fair share. And more importantly, we have a governor in a Missouri legislature that turns its back on us and won't even keep its word. Yeah, I think it's a little unfair. Uh, you look at the economic activity that's happening in St. Louis, the governor is a big part of that. The GM plant expansion th that was announced a couple of weeks ago, state is putting some money into that. That's 4,000 jobs in Missouri. You look at Square relocating here. You look at what happened with Bear and their expansion in, in the St. Louis area. This governor has been very attentive to St. Louis, and I think you can make a very strong case that he is responsible for a good part of the economic activity that's going on here. John, I covered Jeff City for several years. You were obviously there for several decades. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you hear it. I mean, you were maybe... These outstate lawmakers have such disdain for St. Louis in many cases although they all come here for everything anytime they want to do something. And, and you see a number like this, and I think it blows me away to hear how much they say they hate the big city, yet the big city's paying all their bills, too. Well, it's not only paying ours, it's paying theirs. That's right. And, and I think, you know, I think there's a recognition of that on the part of most of those members of the legislature. Does St. Louis have a bad reputation in Jefferson City amongst some of the lawmakers? Yeah, it does. Uh, and it's regrettable. But, uh, you know, as far as getting attention of, of state government, I, we get plenty of attention from state government. Many of you are going to be out making your last-minute shopping uh, for Christmas here over the next day or so. And when you do it, when you're driving on these roads, take a look around. See how much in disarray they are. Yeah, that's us. We're paying for that. Then drive through the rest of the state. Go down to Branson and see what's on there. Go see all the... They, we, they constantly turn their backs on the city. We're not even getting a fair share. And when people go to think about who ought to be the next governor, you ought to remember, who really has the St. Louis interest at heart? This soccer stadium is the perfect example of Governor Parson not keeping his word. They agreed to this, John Hickok. It's a half billion dollars of private investment in our city. And what does this governor do? Well, that ain't what my people out here and wherever no, they're, they're going to get. They're going to get the infrastructure done. That's going to happen. And down in Branson, they've got their own transportation district down there. They fund that the roads themselves, which is a great model, actually, mm. uh, of how things could happen. So St. Louis is not being ignored. I mean, by any means, by this, by this governor. You know, and I, and I know these probably aren't fully connected, but we're always talking about how we need more police in St. Louis, right? And that's the big outstate argument. Well, I'd never go to St. Louis because it's too violent. Okay, it has violence issues. But this ties into an article I read this week. It revolved around the lack of respect for people in authority in America. It detailed the lack of respect for people like police officers, teachers, school administrators, school and city board members, even referees. There's a shortage in all of those professions that are tasked with keeping things fair and keeping the peace because those people are now seen as the bad guys. Attacks on all these groups are skyrocketing. Uh, Michael, you've talked about the lack of police so many times in the St. Louis region. It's hard to convince people when you have this disrespect culture all over well, the place. I mean, look at this. They're making cookies anti-referee. Those are the people allowing you guys to play your games. Yeah, and you're spot on it with it. I mean, we, we, we're taking... The reality is, is the cop shortage is not specific to the city of St. Louis or St. Louis County. It exists in St. Charles County. It exists mm -hmm. in Jefferson County. It exists in Cincinnati. It exists in Nashville. Nobody can tell me that it doesn't have to do with this demonization of what we've done to police. Do the police have some bad act apples and bad actors? Absolutely. 
we ought to investigate them and hold them to the highest extent of the law. But why we don't give law enforcement the benefit of the doubt? I mean, these are the people who are keeping us safe when somebody wants to act a fool or drive drunk or decides to take a gun somewhere they shouldn't have it. It's just absurd. John, very quickly, this is a culture issue. You know, they can't even get referees for some of these games well, across the state because of how we're treating the people who keep the peace. It is. So you got 125 vacancies in the St. Louis City Police Department. It's not because they don't have the resources. The resources are there. The people aren't there. People aren't going into policing. They're not going into these professions. And ultimately, that's, uh, that's hurting all of us. Mm -hmm. Still to come on Hancock and Kelly, the controversy over signs. <laughs> One Missouri lawmaker not too happy about those funny signs the MoDOT is putting up on those digital billboards. We'll discuss if this is something that really requires legislation. You've probably seen these signs out there, right? Well, they're supposed to get your attention, help you drive safely. One Missouri lawmaker says enough with these playful messages on the digital billboards. State Representative Tony Lavasco has filed a bill to restrict what Missouri can put up on signs. Lavasco says the signs are hideously expensive and need to show useful information. Under the bill, the signs would only convey traffic conditions, weather or emergency alerts. Um, John Hancock, you're up first on this. I, I think they're I think they're cute. They catch my attention. I pay attention a little bit. I don't have a problem with this one. Well, you know, comedy is an important part of life, Brown. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a, a, funny, a fun sign is, I'm for the funny signs, you know. Now, if they're, if they're not funny, then, you know, maybe they can do something about well, it. But uh, I, don't, I don't mind uh, a little humor. Yeah, I'm grateful people are reading signs rather than looking at their phone. But this really speaks to what's going on in Jefferson City. This is what these clowns are up to. While so many of us are trying to figure out how to pay tuition and how to afford gas and insurance, this is the type of stuff this Missouri legislature well, I, wants to waste its time on? I, I, in Representative Lavasco's defense, uh, I think his chief concern is the expense of these things. Mm -hmm. And that if you're going to spend all of that money, uh, then put information that's, you know, and an it's, emergency it's not alert or whatever. something we need to waste valuable time in the Missouri legislature legislating. Let's get these folks focused on what they really need to be focused on, which is actually making our lives better on a daily basis. I will say this. If you have the signs up there, which you've already paid for, expensive, yes, uh, but if it just says I-270, 12 minutes, I-170, 13 minutes, it becomes wallpaper. You put up a funny sign, all of a sudden I'm looking every time I go by, and sometimes it does tell me, stay off the roads, it's snowy. Right. You were talking about that this week. Relatively small snowstorm paralyzed the city once again. I don't remember well, it being this way back the in region, the day, fellas. The region. Re region, yes, yeah. the entire region. I mean, what was it, four inches, five inches, six in some yeah, areas? Right. It shut down the entire metro area. Two for days. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what's going on because when we were kids, we used to get far more snowfalls than we get now. They were bigger. The roads seem to be cleaned quicker. Have we depleted our resources such? And look, this is not a knock on these men and women who are out driving those plows and who are doing their job. But have we so depleted our resources that a four-inch snowstorm closes school for two days in one of the biggest cities? And I'm not talking about just the city of St. Louis. This is the entire region, St. Louis <laughs> County. I went to a doctor's appointment two days after the thing in West County. You'd have thought the snow just came down. Yeah, I, and actually, <laughs> you know, they did a good job with the streets this time. I thought I, so. I mean, you know, if you had to get out in it uh, on Monday or Tuesday, you know, you were able to get around just fine. Do you know what the problem is on this one, fellas? I'm going to go out on a limb here. You ready for this one? You know yeah. what the problem is? What? The root of all evils, lawyers. <laughs> I talked to a school administrator who said sometimes, and I'm not going to name the school administrator, 
they have to cancel school because the sidewalks aren't clean enough. And if one kid gets hurt, heaven forbid what would happen on social media and the school, right? That's what wow. we become. You're going to lawyer up because your kid was walking on a snowy sidewalk. Back in the day when these two were young, uphill both ways. Wow. Miles. We didn't, we, Miles. Didn't, we, didn't have, we didn't have sidewalks back then. Huh? <laughs> All right, just a couple seconds left in this segment. I want to bring this up very quickly. I heard you guys on the radio talking about this one. So think about these same members of Congress. They want to lower the voting age to 16, but then in this most recent budget that passed through here, they want to raise the tobacco purchase age to 21. There seems to be a disconnect with this. And yeah, this. I have a real problem with all of this stuff. Yeah, do I think it's great that we're keeping people from smoking? Yes. But if you're 18 years old and you sign up for the military and you're of sound mind and body to give up your life for our country, you ought to be able to smoke Marlboros and drink a Bud Light if you want. I don't like these arbitrary numbers that we come up with for people that we will right. gladly send to a foreign war. Right, here's a gun. Yeah. Go overseas, you can't have a beer. You're right, Kelly. <laughs> hey. I mean, he's, he's right about that. You know, I'm, I'm, there's a good streak of libertarian in me, and I don't like government making all these rules. And, and you're right. If somebody's old enough to fight for this country, they can make their own decisions. One of you guys made a good point. I don't know which one it was because it's Probably so rare. Me. No, I doubt it. But we're talking about the Blues Rally, right? We were all downtown. Yeah. Some of these guys aren't even old enough to drink. Of course they're drinking. It's ridiculous that a kid... kid can win the Stanley Cup and, and not be old enough to legally have a celebration with his friends yeah, or right. his coworkers. I, I agree. Or can sign up and go fight for our right. country, but you can't smoke a cigarette? I mean, hello. Yeah, all right. We're going to have final thoughts right after this on Hancock and Kelly. Time for a Christmas edition of Final Thoughts. Michael Kelly is up first today. You guys, we've been doing this together for several years. Mm -hmm. And John, I, I've really enjoyed getting to know you. We've become friends. We have oh, lunch I together. Yeah, you. Yeah. And Brown it's a here. lot of fun. And, and John Hancock, who is my best friend, literally, mm. um, even in the most coarse times of our political lives, where you are completely misguided in everything you, you believe, so you i got to tell you, buddy, I love you. I hope you both have a very Merry Christmas. And you people who watch us every weekend, mm -hmm. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas to, to the viewers out there. Thank you, Michael. I love you, too. Brown, you're a fine, fine man. Well, thank you. I'm about to experience the club, Brown. What club is this? My, my club that gets together twice a year. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, we go shopping on Christmas Eve. Okay. And we meet up at the post office on April the 15th. And it's the same people every year. <laughs> and, uh, and so, so the club, uh, I'll, I'll see all of you out there. At Walgreens, <laughs> probably, right? Yeah, Walgreens, we'll be, we'll yeah. Doing it, and yeah. I'll see you again on April the 15th. Yeah, so, and for all the people at the, at the Post, right? That's the place we always go up here. You yeah, said yeah, the Post, yeah, yeah. where we have lunch all the time. <laughs> we won't see you for a couple of weeks because we're all kind of spread now. Hey, thanks for watching Hancock and Kelly. If you missed any part of the show, download it on your smartphone. Search out the words Hancock or Kelly. Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace is next, and we'll see you back here. Next year. Maybe. Next year. Maybe. Yeah, we'll be happy.